Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. That's right. You are listening to the 30-something movie podcast. I was going to start out with like a good morning Vietnam kind of thing, but um, that's not the wrong movie. I mean, still Vietnam, but wrong movie. Um, So we'll save that one for later because that's coming up actually really, really soon. Uh, One of my favorite, favorite movies ever. Uh, Robin Williams, one of my favorite actors ever. So I'm really, really looking forward to the good morning Vietnam stuff. But you know what I'm really looking forward to right now? I'm really looking forward to the fact that you are here listening to us. I don't know why, but thank you for being here and listening to us, uh, to the 30-something movie podcast. In case you are just joining us, uh, we have had a whole bunch of new followers on Twitter, and we've had some new people subscribe to the show. So just in case you're joining us for the first time, uh, you've heard about this somewhere and you want to know more about this, uh, basically what it is, is that it's myself, the host, John Reed, and we are, the reason we are called the 30-something movie podcast is that we take movies that are hitting their 30th anniversary. We don't do them necessarily on the same day or same month, but just something that is hitting its 30th anniversary. So this year, being 2017, we are running through movies that are from 1987. So all our movies we've done so far this year have been 1987 movies, and that's kind of the MO uh, of our show, is that we... Uh, we hit up movies from each of those years. And so far this year, we've done some others that uh, if you want to look back on some of our stuff from this year, we started off the year with like Three Men and a Baby, Raising Arizona, Harry and the Hendersons, Over the Top. Um, And I've I've been practicing that whole Over the Top move ever since we did that show. It's I, I can't get it to work. Now, I'm not Sly Stallone, but I can't get it to work. So um, there's just there's something about it that, you know, it just it doesn't work for me. Uh, then we also did, we, let's see, we had uh, Overboard and Moonstruck. Uh, let's, uh, we talked a little bit about the Lego Batman movie with my kids in one episode. Uh, we did an episode on Logan. Uh, we did Lethal Weapon, RoboCop, The Untouchables, Dragnet, uh, The Living Daylights, Princess Bride, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Masters of the Universe, Some Kind of Wonderful. Uh, what else did we do? We did, um, uh, we talked about Star Wars since this is the, uh, 40th anniversary of Star Wars. We did uh, skip our you know, 30-year thing, and we did a 40th thing on the anniversary of Star Wars back in May and released that one. Uh, we did Adventures in Babysitting. We did Lost Boys, Evil Dead 2, Monster Squad, The Running Man, uh, Wonder Woman we talked about. Uh, and then just recently, we did uh, La Bamba and Dirty Dancing, and then we did a review of Star Trek The Next Generation, which came out in 87, so we just kind of reviewed the entire run of the TV series. And there's been some other movies that I didn't list off just then that we have done from 87. 
And we've got a whole bunch of great ones coming up too. So if you're just joining us, um, this month we are starting off our month of August and we are calling this month the Fog of War. So all of our movies this month have something to do with war in some way, shape, or form. Uh, We're starting off this month with the one you're listening to right now. It is Hamburger Hill. Uh, Then we're going to continue that with Empire of the Sun next week. And Good Morning Vietnam after that. Like I said, one of my favorite, favorite movies of all time. So we're going to be looking at that one later this month in just a couple of weeks. Then we've got Full Metal Jacket, uh, and then to, uh, to uh, that actually finishes off the month for us. And then at the beginning of September, we have got Spaceballs. Uh, September is our sci-fi month, so we've got Spaceballs to start that one off. And then round about that time, probably after our Spaceballs episode, uh, we are hitting our 150th uh, Spectaculario. So I don't even know if that's the right Spanish word for uh, spectacular. Um Pat, are you so? My co-host Pat is here with me tonight. Pat, is it, have you ever taken Spanish? I did a little bit. Okay, is, enough if, to get myself into trouble. Okay, so if I was trying, well, as you do, um, so if I was trying to say like our hundred and fiftieth episode spectacular, like a like a TV special or something, would I say spectaculario? Yeah, I think it's spectac. It it might be that, or it might even be like spectacular. Okay. We might not even need to add vowels at the end. It might just be spectacular with a different accent. I'm okay. not sure. Okay. Now, see, but when I'm mocking Italians, I, I need to add the vowels at the end. Otherwise, it just doesn't sound right. Right. Well, okay. uh, I agree. So right. I think, okay. you know, you get points for trying. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, extra, you know. for extra vowels. Okay. I, I took French in school. So all the, you know, my, my son took Spanish for a couple of years and my daughter just, she wants to learn whatever and... French doesn't really help me so much. Okay. Well, you know. I think I've spoken French once, other than just me like making up French phrases because I can't remember half of it. Um, I think I've spoken what? French once in the last 15 years to an actual French-speaking person. Okay. Well, how do you say spectacular in French? Yeah, see, so you're going to put me on the spot like that, aren't you? Okay. Well, you know, we can edit Spectacu- that out. So spectac- spectac- spectacular, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, later on, I'll go to my trusty Google Translate, and we'll find out. I think it's. I think we just call it spectacular with a different accent. Maybe throw in some vowels, and I think we're good. Okay, so the hundred and fiftieth episode, spectacular. Yes, sounds good. It basically our. Let's see, what would that be? That's our sesquicentennial episode. That it sounds naughty, but I think it is. Don't well, it may get that way. <laughs> how are you? Right. How are you doing tonight, Pat? Doing well, man. Doing well. Saw the movie Dunkirk. I was going to ask you about that. How was it? It was. It was. It was magnificent. I mean, I I, <laughs> I know I know how you felt about it because I got a text message. I think the same day that was like, uh, if you have not seen this movie, leave your house now and run and go see it. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, John. I, I honestly can say I think that was the best movie I've ever seen. Okay, it it is it is your that is now your favorite movie ever of all movies you've ever seen. I'm I'm I think so. Okay, I'm, I think so. I mean, it, it's like it's it's the first movie in a long time that I'm going to be like, okay, I'm definitely going back to the theater to see it. Okay, I we we weren't able to see it in IMAX. Yeah, just with timing, and I think I got to go back and catch it in IMAX. I mean, it was outstanding. Okay. So what was yeah. um, what were some of the things about it that like captured you? Because I know you've you you like a good war movie and you like a good uh, 
you know, airplane movie. And if it's got, you know, motorcycle chases, so much the better. But um, exactly. exactly. So, well, first of all, I mean, geez, I think for a war movie, I mean, this thing was was uh, was very, very uh, accurate. I mean, I've been trying to find as, as as much, you know, of the fact versus fiction as I can and read up on it and everything. Yeah. And I want to say that just about everything you saw in that movie depicted was was extremely accurate, with the exception of, um, you know, obviously they had to do some things to kind of condense the story a little bit. And it was... Um, all of the characters were fictional. Mm-hmm. And they go right up there and say that. So it was sort of like a Saving Private Ryan where, you know, they were, were telling, uh, uh, you know, fictional people's stories or like Memphis Bell, even though it was like, well, this guy was based on this and this guy was based on this um, character. It was, um, uh, 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 you know, there was some fiction there. But my gosh, they, I was reading this one website that it, it got down to, um, you know, the German fighter the nose cone was painted yellow, and in reality, they didn't paint the German fighters' nose cones yellow until a year after these events took place. I okay. mean, like, that's how detailed they had to get. And, and there were reasons There were reasons that Christopher Nolan did it that way that were like, well, for the good of the movie, we kind of have to paint the nose cones on the German planes yellow. Yeah. And it was, you know, things like that. Um, so, I mean, just real accurate. I think it, it really did a great job of paying homage to, to what these, these men and women went through, um, uh, but what these guys went through over there. And it was, um, it, it was just very respectful. It, it, it made you sit there in awe at, yeah. at, at, at what was happening. Um, as far as the movie goes, I mean, and, and here's where I'll, I'll take a departure from typical war movie and just say action. It was about that. That was possibly the best aerial dogfighting combat sequences that I've ever seen on the screen. Okay. I mean, they were, they were awesome. And when you, when you, when you read about it, he had, he found three, uh, real British, uh, Spitfires, the plane, one of the planes, uh, Britain flew during the second world war. He had three of them up there for the filming. They had another plane that they, that looked close to the German Messerschmitt 109. And they kind of, it, it was a different, it was a, yeah, thank you. It was a different plane, but they, they kind of mocked it up um, so that it looked like a German plane. So he had one of those flying around. I think one of the other, I think he even, even one of the other planes that featured in there was a real uh, World War II aircraft. The rest were all models, remote controlled planes um, that, that, that looked great on screen. Uh, most of the trucks and equipment were all vintage World War II things. Uh, the ships were either, um, you know, from that time period. And that's where they say, uh, that's where they say, you know, the other guy, and again, the guy that was saying this said, I'm being incredibly because they picked ships that were, were good for that time period. And I think they said, well, it was actually... French destroyer and it was supposed to be British, but you know what? It really, it looked the part and it fit in and it was like it, there was no CGI. Yeah. So what you were seeing is you were seeing real equipment. And I mean, that was outstanding. Um, everybody's going to laugh when I say this, especially if you're a frequent listener to the podcast, but, uh, the camera work in it 
they used real, I think it was, they used real 70 millimeter film. Okay. Um, so I guess there was no digital and I'll, I'm sorry, someone else that's more knowledgeable. I'll have to explain you know, like all the difference there, but mm-hmm. it was actual film and he filmed it with IMAX cameras and, and some of them he mounted on the sides of the Spitfires nice. when they were flying. And uh, so they had that, they took the, ca- the actors up, they found another plane that was like a two seater and then they mocked the cockpit up. So the cockpit looked like a Spitfire cockpit. Yeah. And so when they wanted to film these guys in the air, they basically had them flying around in the back of a plane with the camera on them. Nice. And so, I mean, it's so, I mean, the, the camera work was great. And, um, and if I'm getting into spoiler territory, I'm trying to be good. So just, no, that's all right. you know, cut me off, but it's a PG 13 rating. And so, you know, you're not going to get an R rated action movie or I'm sorry, an R rated war movie. Mm-hmm. But, but I'll tell you, Tammy and I got done and she looked over at me and she says, I think that was the most intense movie I've ever seen. Okay. I think even that's at a, the even most at a PG-13. What was that? Even at a PG-13, the most intense? Yeah, that's what she, and I have to be honest with you, John, I agree with, I agree with her. I mean, and like, you know, everything's intense in different ways, but this, and, and Christopher Nolan talked about it. He didn't go for um, real gory intense to it. He, he, I mean, there wasn't the, um, uh, the, the graphic nature that you'll see uh, in um, uh, Saving Private Ryan yeah. or even like Band of Brothers or even uh, kind of like what we're, the movie we're going to talk about tonight or, or any of those things. But what there was, I mean, it was, it was violent. I mean, I, you know. I, I, and I've always said that, you know, I mean, just because there are, isn't blood spurting across the room doesn't mean that it's not violent. Right. But I think what made this movie is intense. And he talked about this. He said he really, he focused on not having it be, how did he say it? Um, physically intense okay. with what you see, but he had it uh, as far as suspense. The suspense was off the charts. And the, the way he was able to kind of bring you in and just make you feel like, I would say, I mean, not having experienced it, but like these guys did when they were caught on the beach and in the middle of a war and just, um, there, it, like a, the suspense was off the charts. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, and, you know, I'm, and I'm going to say, I know we were talking about our, our ses- what is it? Sesquicentennial? What's the 150th? Sesquicentennial. The sesquicentennial music, the music in this thing um, was very much accompanied the movie. I mean, you weren't mm-hmm. hearing themes that you would like a Star Wars thing, you know, where, oh, well, that's the this theme and that's the this theme. But yeah. the music, it was more sequenced and a little bit more uh, um, electronic and, and all that kind of thing. And, and again, I, I'm going to stop because I don't want to just totally spoil it. But the music added to it as well. And how Hans Zimmer did the music, I mean, you were, you, you were just sitting there and it was like gasping for breath. I really? mean, it, was, it really had you wound up. And then he does some special things. About partway through, he starts adding in some special things with the music. Um, again, I'm going to be very, I don't want to give it away because it was, when it all comes together, it's incredibly powerful. But yeah. uh, I... Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. And nice. I, I'm just going to say it's one of the movies that I've cried in. And I actually sort of like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know, if you start to nod off and then you kind of snore and catch yourself, mm -hmm. has that ever happened to you? And you kind of wake oh, yeah. yourself up and you're like, Oh geez, did I just snore? Yeah. So no, I did not fall asleep in the movie, Okay. but I actually, I felt myself starting to cry and yeah. it was just like, Oh geez, I can't believe, you know, well, I know I could. And then what kind of, I actually sobbed in the middle of the movie and I thought, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm actually sobbing. I mean, it was, it was, it was kind of like when you snore and wake yourself up, uh -huh. it was like, I, I, I kind of sobbed and it was just like, Oh man, I'm like really wrapped up in this movie. So it's, um, yeah, it's yeah. No, if, it's, if I ever if I ever do that, I, I get to the end of the movie, and and when I know they're about to bring the lights up, I just be like, no, don't turn those lights on. Yeah, you, you, you keep you keep those lights seat. off. Um, I just yeah. need a minute. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I, I if there's I'm trying to I'm just trying to, and even, I mean, you know, there's there's not a ton of dialogue. Mm -hmm. I mean. There's, there's actually, I mean, I don't know if, if did you ever see uh, Wally? -E? Yeah. I would say it's approaching that amount of dialogue. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, that would be like uh, Wally -E would be the extreme, but I mean, it's just, but you don't even realize it. Yeah. Um, and, and just all the, it, how can I say this? It was incredible too, because it was almost like an old school movie where, you know, maybe new school movies, there's focus on action or there's some ch running chase scene or, you know, maybe a real witty line delivered. But back in the day, you know, it would, you would be watching like McQueen or Michael Caine or, yeah. you know, or um, Burt Lancaster or, you know, you name it. And they would just look cool on screen and they would just, they would be kind of, you know, acting without necessarily saying things or doing some crazy action. And there was a lot of that in this. These the actors they had were just able to emote so much without really saying anything. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, if you like war movies, this one, this one is is definitely one of the best. If you like um, suspense movies, I mean, I, I don't watch tons of them. You know, I kind of have to be drawn to that genre through something else. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, this this. It, it was not figuratively, John. It was literally at the edge of your seat, gripping <laughs> the handrails intense. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if you like to see something unique in the world of, I mean, how many times do we rail on, oh my gosh, we're just remaking the old stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. This movie was, was truly unique. And I mean, boy, Christopher Nolan, this guy that, that guy knows how to make movies. I mean, I'm just yeah. going to go understatement on that one. And um, how much do I want to say without spoiling? Even the way he tells the story, and you don't realize it. How should I say it? He, he kind of plays with time as well. Okay? okay. Not, not, not quite in the same way that like Pulp Fiction did. Or not quite the same way he did in Memento. Yeah. You remember that one? Yeah. You know what? But he, 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 he uses a very creative approach to tell different facets of, of this battle, of this, of, this, of this event. Okay. And he uses time. And you really – and he tells you what he's doing. Like right in the get-go, you, you see what he's doing. 
Um, and and uh, I know I'm, I'm not I'm not explaining it, but I don't want to give it away. Yeah. But anyways, he explains to you what you're doing. But then halfway through, you're like, oh, that's how he's telling the story. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And um, so, yeah, if you like if you like like well done creative movies, this is the movie for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm just going to I'm sorry, I'm going to like like geek out on like phenomenal airplanes. If you like seeing Supermarine Spitfires and hearing Merlin, uh, uh, Rolls-Royce Merlin V12 engines, this is the movie for you because it's just like, um, I mean, it was, it was outstandingly loud in the theater and I'd forgotten my earplugs and it was like, okay, I'm going to cover my ears. I'm going to cover it. And then all of a sudden those, those, the Spitfires would fly over and I'm like, okay, I'm going to uncover my ears. I'm going to go deaf. This is worth it. Yeah. And it was, it was literally loud enough that our seat was shaking. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty intense. Yeah. I guess supposedly one of the veterans that's like still alive during the screening of the movie told Christopher Nolan, he says, yeah, I, it, you know, complimented him and said that really brought me back. He says, I have to be honest with you though. I think you upped the volume. I don't think the actual bombs were really that loud. <laughs> I've, I've heard a few people say that, that it's a really loud movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, bring bring your earplugs, but okay. take them out when the Spitfires come over because that that is just that is outstandingly cool. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. <sighs> yeah. Okay, I, I'm gonna go towel off. Sorry, oh, I yeah, got no. excited. But, no, no, but, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's definitely one that I want to see. I've got a couple of others that, um, you know, I just I just don't know, especially with school starting up soon. I, I've got a couple of right. others that are on my list that I want to go see, and I they may be a little bit higher than Dunkirk, so I don't know. I might I might wait and do that one at home. But do you think would it be worth? Well, I know what you're going to say. Um, whether I should yeah. go see it in the theater or see it at home, but well, I don't. It's not my place to tell a guy how to spend his time or his money. But if I could say it this way, my mother told me, Patrick go see this movie in the theater. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I think if nothing else, then, and I, I really, I think I got to go back and see it in the IMAX mm-hmm. because if nothing else, it was shot <laughs> with those IMAX cameras and it really, especially the aerial sequences. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Now, that being said, uh, uh, Avatar, remember when that movie came out and yeah. that was supposed to be, you know, f- go see it in the theater. Don't miss it. I saw it at home and I was just as moved and just as excited and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's a short movie. I mean, again, I don't want to tell you how to spend your cash, but it's, yeah. I think it's only like an hour and a half long Okay. or an hour and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's an experience. Okay. So, yeah, that's, so it's, that's it, my review. yeah, it's it's definitely on my list. I want to go see. Um, I've seen all of the new Planet of the Apes movies in the theater, and I and I have not yet gone to see War for the Planet of the Apes. So I want to see that one and and finish off that trilogy. And I've heard really good things about it. I think it's getting. Uh, I think I looked earlier, and it's got like a ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and um, you know, it's getting really yeah. good reviews. And the other one, I I kind of am interested to see mostly because it has a, a very much an 80s vibe to it is that atomic blonde movie I don't know okay. if you I don't know if you've seen any of the 
the previews for it or not. It's kind of like a like an action spy movie. Uh, it's supposed to take place okay. in '89, I think, just as um, you know, just as the Berlin Wall is about ready to come down, and um, it, it's got some of my favorite actors right. in it. I mean, Charlize Theron is the she's the main character in it, and then it's got uh, James McAvoy. Um, who was yes, in Split and the X Men, the newer X Men movies, and has got John Goodman and a whole bunch of people in it. And um, I don't know. I just when I would see the previews of it, normally kind of those those action movies that are not tied to a James Bond thing or a Jason Bourne thing or a superhero thing. Normally, I'm just like, nah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll see it on video sometime. For some reason, the the combination of I don't know if the the music and the visuals of it and the fact that it's got a whole bunch of kind of it has a little bit of an 80s vibe to it um i don't know i just i was interested in going to see that one in the theater um and then and then the war for planet of the apes i'd like to see that one maybe in the theater too but i see now you've kind of you got me adding dunkirk to the list so i got to figure out a way to figure out a way to see some of these yeah you know what i'm gonna come around and see it and and you can correct me if i'm wrong here But you know how we're talking about the movies that, you know, you know, the 80s movies that we discuss. Yeah. And I and my thing is always, you know, when we go on these IMDb lists and figure out, OK, what movies do we get to talk about? Yeah. It's like it's it's a no brainer. I mean, you you go and it's like each year in the 80s. Oh, it's yeah. a solid like 30, 40, sometimes 50 movies. Did I that uh, are just- did I tell you that I was already going through our list for next year and I've got more than we could possibly cover? Yeah, I know. And yeah. it's like, you, you've got to go to like the fourth or fifth page to find the ones that are like, yeah. oh, I think I remember that one. But I mean, they're just a solid. And then as we go, you know, the knock on now movies, it's just less and less. And it's right. like, okay, well, there was a couple of movies that came out that were pretty good. And there were some years that are like, you know, oh, really? That's it? That's all you got? Nothing? But I, this is the, the funny thing is, I, we're going to go, I think we're going to get like 30 years from now and we're going to be like, oh, that... That was 2017. That was a great year. You know what? Yes, that's yeah. that's what this whole thing is coming to. This has been a great year for movies. I yeah. mean, holy buckets. Yeah. I, I mean, like, because Wonder Woman was this year, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so like This Wonder year we'll Woman, have Wonder Woman, um, Thor Ragnarok, we'll have Justice League, we'll have um, Dunkirk, and, and, we'll have, yeah. And busting out of our... our you know, Log- uh, Logan was this year to add one of your other favorites, Logan. I know Logan was this year. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Twenty isn't Blade Runner coming out? Yeah. Star so I, Wars Eight is coming out. So I gotta, I gotta ask you um, this one. I gotta ask you this one. Is Dunkirk better than Logan? I, <laughs> I, I knew that was gonna be a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I can't answer that because I, I don't know how I can rate it. I can tell you which one I liked better. Okay, which one did you like better? Uh, uh Dunkirk. Okay. I mean, like I said, that that is probably my favorite movie. Possibly your favorite movie but of all time. Funny, now. Okay. But the funny thing is, earlier this year, I was like, man, that's it. I'm, I mean, remember when we did the Get to Know the Hosts podcast? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. I'm just going to leave one of my top five blank because, you know, there's going to be a, probably a movie that comes out of my lifetime that will mm-hmm. replace that. Yeah. Or maybe a couple. Dude, there's like two movies that have come out this year that have gone into the top <laughs> five. Top and it's five. just like, what? What is happening? 2017. It has just been a banner year for movies. Well, we need, we need to do an updated getting to know you thing then. <laughs> That's the, boy, what, do, what more could people want but just to know Pat to more? Get, to get to know Pat even more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Well, um, so very quickly before we get into our the movie that we're talking about tonight, I had a couple of things really fast. Um, oh. First of all, well, first of all, we uh, yesterday we hit 800 followers on Twitter. Are you serious? I am serious. So wow. we we had we had 800 followers on Twitter. Now, what I'm going to say is I'm going to stop going on Twitter when we hit like a certain number of followers because I did this when we hit. 500 and 600 and 700 and now 800 and I go on right away as soon as we hit that number and mm-hmm. I put out a tweet and I say thank you all so much you know that's great thank you for following us blah 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 and immediately after that happens every single time we lose five or six followers really so apparently people don't like to be thanked oh I get it so I get we're it. so as of you know yesterday we had 800 and then all of a sudden I, I go on and I thank people and as of last night we were at like 794 Five seven ninety six. As of right, I'm oh. looking at it right now. We're at seven ninety nine. So we had eight hundred, and you know, it kind of fluctuates back and forth. Oh. And then, like in another couple of weeks, we're going to have like fifty or sixty more people follow us, and it'll all, all right. be it'll all be fine. But all right, we'll we'll just have to go to the manual thanks. We'll mm-hmm. just thank them through the podcast. We'll just thank people on the show and just not say anything on there. Right. But yeah. So yeah. So right. we we did hit eight hundred followers on Twitter. So that was kind of cool. Okay. We are, uh, we, we're not that far from a thousand. So I think we've, you know, we've gone to 800 pretty quickly. So, okay. For, for well, being, exciting. for being, for being the mighty little show that we are. Have we run a follow of any pizza people? Um, uh, no, no, not lately. So good. I don't think we, because I know when we did next gen, we had some food, but we tried to keep that. We did. We, we tried to keep the, the munching to a bare minimum. So yeah, no, that, that was fine. Right. That was fine. Uh, oh, the only other thing I want to say, don't have any other new movie news. We just actually just today, uh, as of when we're recording this, I finally put out the San Diego Comic-Con and D23 Disney uh, show that Jeff and I did. And it ended up being like over two hours long because uh, we I put in the audio for all the trailers and we talked about all the different trailers that had come out. So don't have a whole lot new movie news wise. Um, but I did want to say Jeff did that one, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I can't wait to hear that. You guys, guys are going to, we did that towards the, uh, yeah, we did that towards the end of last week and, um, ignore the part at the end where we say we're going to somehow trick you into go seeing it with us. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) Okay. So, so here's, here's a funny, so, and I mean, and John, I mean, like I said, just turn my microphone off if I'm talking Mm -hmm. too much, but so funny story, my mom and dad go to see Dunkirk and they come back and I'm like, well, how was it? And we were talking all about my mom goes, I don't know though. I don't know what's the deal with all the previews. I don't, maybe they're trying to find the right, every single one was a horror movie. Really? Every, and my mom's, my mom was just like, I couldn't, I mean, I just, I actually got up to go get, you know, go to the bathroom, go get some popcorn. I just had to leave the theater because it was like, what are you showing us? I mean, I know it wasn't a kid's movie, but yeah. all this stuff. And she said, and then the new one with the clown or whatever the heck oh. that thing, I said, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. What the thing I said, did the sewer, she goes, that was the sewer. Yeah. And that's when I got up and left. I'm yep. like, okay. With the balloon floating, she says, "Yeah, uh-huh. I left at the balloon." So I'm like, "Yeah, mom, I don't think it is your is your is your thing." Yeah, and see, I I I like a good horror movie, and I told Jeff, yeah. I because Jeff said he's, he's like, "I'm Katie's not going to go with me. I can't get her to go with me to go see this in the theater." I said, "You know what? I'm interested enough, and I haven't seen a horror movie in the theater in God, I don't know how many years. Um, yeah. It probably was like the Sixth Sense, might have been the last time, maybe um, Event Horizon." Okay. Might have been the last time I saw a horror movie uh, in the in the theater, um, but yeah, no, haven't seen a horror movie in the theater. So I told him, I was like, you know what, 
you let me know when it comes out, you let me know when you're going and I will go to the theater with you and go see this movie because when I go, I'm going to need somebody's hand to hold. Because he made me watch the trailer while we were sitting there and recording. And you'll hear, when you listen to it, you'll hear my reaction to it. Okay. And it had me kind of freaked out. Wow. That's like, that's like when they do the fan reactions to the trailers on uh YouTube. That's Yeah. All right. Yeah. Basically summing up my reaction is if that's something that's going on in your town and for some reason your town is cursed, then you move to a new town. Just go to a new town. You abandon the town. You leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, so that was our, uh, that one, uh, came out today. So that one's out today. If anybody's listening now and, and has not listened to that one yet, go back and catch that. Cause we talk a lot about all the different trailers that came out from San Diego and there were Buku trailers, uh, that came out, um, during San Diego comic-con. So if you want to go back and listen to that, it's a nice long, uh, two hour extravaganza going through all those. Um, let's see. Okay. So the only other news thing that I have before we jump into our hamburger Hill review here is and i just spotted this this afternoon let me oh i lost it let me get back to it um the original uh actor that was in the godzilla suits actually passed away today. okay uh he died today at the age of 88 wow so he was wow. haruo i'm a, hopefully i'm not going to butcher this too badly uh haruo nakajima um and he was the original suit actor in the Godzilla uh, kind of the, the franchise of movies. So he did some of the other monsters as well. Some of the other Kaiju uh, in those movies. He was 88. He was born on January 1st, 1929 in Yamagata, Japan. And uh, okay. he was, um, he worked for the Toho film studio that did all the Godzilla movies. And he was the original Godzilla uh, from the 1954 uh, Ishiro Hondo movie. Um, and I, I, I think he did some of the other, uh, I think he did, I want to say he did most of the, I think he played most of the monsters in the Godzilla movies and the other monster movies. And I think that he retired in 1972. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he ran, I mean, that was, so he was close to 20 years that he was playing in a lot of those old monster movies. If it was, if it came out between the original Godzilla and 1972, I think the last one I saw on here was Godzilla versus Gigan. Um, so if it was a monster movie between those two, the original and, and this one from 72, he was most likely in the suit or in one of the other suits playing one of the other monsters. So, wow. So well, cool. Pretty cool. Well, sad at his passing, but thanks for, uh, thanks for giving us such a fun chunk of movies. Man. Yeah. Well, and I remember, um, what was I, it was, uh, last year, I think normally I don't, I mean, we, we would do most of our stuff through Netflix um, and we've been, we've been doing, a. I think my sister is just about to get rid of Hulu. And so she shared her password with us for the last two or three weeks. She's going to have it. So we do most of our TV stuff through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon prime and all that stuff. Um, oh. but for some reason last year, or maybe it was earlier this year, I was up a little bit later at night. I, I put the TV on. I, I might've been watching the news on TV and I just happened right before I was about ready to go to bed. I just happened to switch over. And I think it might have been uh, Sven Gulli was on. Ah, yeah. Doing the old, go. doing the old like sci-fi horror movies and all that stuff, yep. and yep. Uh, on WGN. And um, we're in Chicago for anybody who's not sure what right. all that is. And um, and he was doing the original 1954 Godzilla movie. 
And so cool. I said, you know what? I have not seen this in years. So I, I stayed up. I said, I don't care how late it is. I'm going to stay up and I'm going to watch this because I have not seen this in years. And it was a lot of fun. I, 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 I remember, I, I really remember watching a lot of those with my dad. He loved the Godzilla movies, loved all the monster movies. And we'd, we'd watch those all the time. So it was kind of fun to see that one again. So actually I would have seen, um, I, I would have seen our suit actor, um, Haru, I'm totally going to butcher that first name. Haruo Nakajima. I can get the last name. I'm not sure about the first one. Nakajima-san. Nakajima. Welcome, Nakajima. Um, so, yeah. yeah so. Uh, Nakajima-san. There we go. Then you're good. Yeah. So. All right. Well, should we go, should we go on into, uh, should we climb Hamburger Hill? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And I want to say I am very disappointed. I, I did not see a single hamburger in this movie. I like I expected it I'm, to be I'm like wondering where it got its name and, and to go deep for a second. I, I yeah, I, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit. I'm wondering if they named it hamburger just because of uh, how badly those guys got chewed up trying to that trying that, to get up. That, that actually is exactly why they called it that. OK, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And I'm just going to say um and I think incredibly well-deserved. I, oh, I might be preempting your spiel, but I think this is the first 100% movie I've ever seen, you know, Rotten Tomato Meter. Oh, and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. There's, you know what, there's, there's been a few, but, um, yeah. I mean, there's been a few 100% ones, but, but yeah, like in terms of movies we've actually watched, yeah. For the show, I, I can't really other think than that, of... Other than that really weird one with uh, Emilio Estevez and the flying alien car that all the critics seem to love. I think they gave that thing like a stinking like 110% or whatever. The but other than that... Movie, oh, the... Uh, <laughs> Repo Man. Repo Man. Yeah, other yeah. than Repo Man that all the critics gave like an 8,000%. Still, still not a fan of uh, Repo Man? I, I'm not saying I'm not a fan. I just, uh. you know, I'm just going to say... When you uh, when when you give that thing a hundred percent and then like tell tell me that the three amigos is just lowbrow humor and not any good, mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm not finding I'm not I'm not you know the great river of I'm I'm just not getting the flow there, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just not on your wavelength. <laughs> That's all right. So on this one, obviously the movie's called Hamburger Hill. Uh, came out on the twenty eighth of August, nineteen eighty seven. It was rated R for some mm-hmm. very obvious reasons. Uh, runtime was an hour and 50 minutes directed by John Irvin, who also did the dogs of war raw deal and next of kin. Uh, producers on this one were James Carabazos who did no mercy and Marsha Nazatir who did the big chill and vertical limit writer was James Carabazos who did heroes, heartbreak, hero, not the TV show heroes, um, heroes, heartbreak Ridge and no mercy cinematography. I threw in cinematography cause we've been talking so much about camera angles Mm-hmm. on the show that I felt like I needed to throw in the cinematographer's name when we run down the list of people. Cause that's a really, I mean, there's a lot of important jobs, but so I decided yeah. to throw that one in there too, along with the writers and, and music and everybody else. Uh, so cinematography on this one was done by Peter McDonald. And this is a great one to, uh, if, if he's the first one that we do in our whole little spiel of background info, this guy's a great one to do. So cinematographer for this one was Peter McDonald. And here's the stuff he's worked on. He was the camera operator for Superman one and two. Uh, okay. He was also a camera operator for the movie Legend with Tom Cruise uh, okay. for the 1989 Batman. And then he was the second unit director on the Empire Strikes Back, Batman, and Guardians of the Galaxy. So just so he's, so he's I, got a few things here and there that uh, 
that uh, he's worked on. You know, a couple little movies here and there. I see. So basically yeah. his resume says the same thing that Sam Jackson's wallet in Pulp Fiction says. Yes. Okay. Yes, basically. All uh, right. Music for this one was done by Philip Glass. Uh, he also did The Truman yeah. Show, The Hours, and The Illusionist. Uh, budget for this one I could not find, but the box office was $13.8 so it did not make a lot of money. Um, did all right, but didn't make okay. a lot of money. Um, Anthony Burrell played Private Vincent Alphabet Langu- Languelli. Languili? I always get that wrong. Every time I've tried to say it, I get it wrong. Languili. I think that was the thing in the movie everybody got oh, I know, it that's why they just call him Alphabet. Um, my name's Vincent. Uh, Friday, he was in Friday the 13th Part 5 and Kiss Me Guido. Michael Boatman played Ray Motown. He was in Spin City and China Beach. Don Cheadle played Washburn. He was in Hotel Rwanda, The Iron Man, and some of the Avenger movies, and Ocean's Eleven. Actually, all of the Ocean's movies. Uh, Michael Dolan played Murphy. He was in Lolita and Biloxi Blues. Don James played Mac. He was in Next of Kin and A Family Thing. Dylan McDermott played France. Uh, He was in The Practice and In the Line of Fire. Michael Nichols played uh, Galvin. Yep, Galvin. Uh, He was in Death Becomes Her and Wayne's World 2. Harry O'Reilly played Duffy. He was in The Cable Guy and Reality Bites. Daniel O'Shea played Guy Jin, and he was in Streets of Gold and State of Grace. Tim Quill played Beletsky. He was in Hiding Out and Argo. Uh, Tommy Swerdlow played Beanstalk. He was in Howard the Duck, Child's Play, and Spaceballs. Uh, Courtney B. Vance played Doc. He was in Law and Order, Criminal Intent, and The Hunt for Red October. Steven Weber played Worcester. He was in Wings, Leaving Las Vegas. Tegan West played Lieutenant Terry Eden. He was in Grace of My Heart and Sleep With Me. And Q. Chin played Mama-san, and she was in The Joy Luck Club and City of Angels. The critics gave this one a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I will say with that, and this is where some people criticize Rotten Tomatoes scores, there were not a whole bunch of critic reviews. So some movies that might, you know, some other movies that might only have five or six critic reviews could also have a hundred percent, but they might've instead had 50 or 60 critics reviews. And so they have less of a chance of getting hundred percent. So just cause rotten tomatoes says hundred percent doesn't necessarily mean that critics everywhere would have given it a hundred percent. Got it. Uh, the audience gives it a 73%. So, uh, Derek Adams, cause then you go and read what some of the reviewers actually said. And uh, Derek Adams of Time Out said, there are a couple of rocky moments, but the large cast of unknowns go through hell convincingly and illustrate the randomness of mortality. Hal Hinson from the Washington Post says, no matter what you think of the script, it's impossible to dismiss what's going on up on the screen. And I could not find a review from uh, Roger Ebert, but Gene Siskel gave it two stars. Mm. So not as much a fan of it. Mm reasons being uh i don't know i couldn't find couldn't find a, an article where he wrote about it but i did see uh somebody listed when it got released on vhs there was a little note off to the side where the person reviewing the vhs gave it i think three and a half stars but then off to the side it says that originally gene siskel gave it two stars mm. so not sure why uh cinema score people gave it a b as they were leaving the theater uh no awards listed for this one Over the course of 10 days in May 1969, an infantry squad led by Lieutenant France and composed of both seasoned troops and new recruits, or NFGs, um, attempts to take a hill during the Vietnam War. In between attacks, the squad members deal with the other psychological stresses of the war, including the effect of morale on the anti-war movement back home and flashes of racial hostility between white and African-American soldiers, all mediated by the cool-headed medic, Doc. 
So interestingly enough, John, Ir- and you can kind of tell from watching this movie, uh, John Irvin had filmed a documentary in Vietnam during the war. So he actually was in Vietnam during the war in 1969, and he was filming a documentary then. So you kind of get a sense that he knows this stuff because he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sad note, an electrician was actually electrocuted and killed in front of the cast and crew while they were making this movie. So they actually stopped production for a while, shut it down, and then they had a memorial service, and then they continued on with making the movie. Uh, some funny, uh, A couple funny things in here about the Screaming Eagles. The paratroopers of the U.S. Army's famous 101st Airborne Division, known as the Screaming Eagles, due to their distinctive shoulder patch, it's a gold-beaked, red-tongued, white-headed bald eagle on a black shield, were feared and respected by the North Vietnamese and Viet Cong enemies in Vietnam. The Vietnamese communists called the 101st troops chicken men because of the eagle shoulder patches and had a cautious saying about them, beware of the chicken men. Uh, let's see, this movie's opening prologue states, on the 10th of May, 1969, troops of the 101st Airborne Division engaged the enemy at the base of Hill 937 in the Oshaw Valley. Ten days and 11 bloody assaults later, the troops who fought it there called it Hamburger Hill. And then the closing credits include a famous poem about the war written by Major Michael Davis O'Donnell on January 1st, 1970. Uh, O'Donnell himself was declared missing in action on March 24th, 1970, after piloting a helicopter on an extraction mission inside Cambodia. He was declared killed in action in 1979, and his remains were recovered and identified with DNA testing many years later. Uh, The characters in the movie are named after men that writer James Carabazos had fought alongside. So the writer actually was a Vietnam War vet as well, and that was part of the reason for this being so accurate and so meaningful for him was because he wrote it. Uh, based on some of his experiences being in the war. And also, I think the other producer, um, what was her name, Marsha Marcia Nazatir, uh, her son, I believe, had also fought in Vietnam. So this was kind of an, an important movie for her to make, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will go ahead and say that while I took some classes in college on the history of war, uh, and I wrote, a, wrote an essay in college on the Tet Offensive in Vietnam, I am by no means a Vietnam war buff or Vietnam war historian. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much you know about the Vietnam war. I, you know, I, I, I know probably as many as, as much as some people do and, and, um, uh, less than other people do. And obviously I I don't have any firsthand experience with war. So, you know, 
any comments I make about it, I do so humbly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I did, I pulled up a couple of little historical background things kind of on uh, what this movie is about, the actual historical uh, fighting that would have taken place. So this was part of the part of Operation Apache Snow uh, that was fighting in the Oshaw Valley. Uh, and the Oshaw Valley was one of the main points of entry into South Vietnam for soldiers and supplies from the North Vietnam, uh, from the army. So that was kind of one of their main roadways that they were using. So it was really a big deal to try to push this offensive and, and try to make sure that they were stopped. So the, the South Vietnamese and the Americans were really trying to stop them here. And, and I think the thought was that if we stopped them here, um, it would be a quick victory and things would be over pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, this mountain, the actual name of this mountain in Vietnam is, and I'm, I'm probably going to mispronounce this. And it, there was another pronunciation that was spelled differently. And I definitely was not going to say that one. Right. Uh, but they called it app Bia mountain. Uh, mm -hmm. and the battle took place on app Bia mountain from May 10th to May 20th in 1969. It was considered a U.S. and South Vietnamese victory. However, they withdrew from the mountain and just kind of abandoned it. Uh, on June 5th. So just a couple weeks later, after all the people that died to take this mountain, they basically walked away from it. Um, the Battle of Hamburger Hill, the kind of the results of it was there were 72 killed and 372 wounded on the U.S. side, and there were 630 killed on the North Vietnamese side. Uh, Pat, you were right. It was called Hamburger Hill because the men who fought on it were chewed up like hamburger. Um, and the main... Protagonists of our story of our story are an elite army assault uh, air assault group called the 101st Airborne, the Screaming Eagles, um, and it's just kind of featuring those guys as the main protagonists here. So, I guess historically, and and some of the stuff that's portrayed in this movie, um, I will start off by saying that, um, you know, I don't. Obviously, we're young enough; we don't have any experience with the Vietnam War. It was way over. By the time I was born, um, you know, I, I have, I, I remember having relatives who either were worried about getting drafted during that time or have a few relatives that were old enough that they may have fought in Vietnam. Um, and so all I, all I know and all I remember is either from what I've read, what I've watched on PBS or taken in a class or heard from relatives who came back not quite the same as how they left. Um, you know, so that's kind of my, that's my background knowledge. So if anybody's listening and you know a whole lot more about the Vietnam War, anything I say, I, I definitely, Pat, as you said, you know, whatever you say, you say humbly, anything I say about it, I am obviously from a different perspective that is very much removed from it. And, um, you know, just the same as if I was going to try to comment on the civil war, I, right. I wasn't there. So I, I, I only base it off of what I know and what I've read. And if I'm wrong, then I, I'm. I welcome any kind of correction if I happen to be wrong on something. Um, in terms of the movie, so I'll start off with this. In terms of the movie, I had never seen it before. Yeah, I first time for me as well. Okay, I was, and I know that to doing it. Yeah, and I know that this one came out. I was trying to remember if it came out before, because um, let's see, it came out at the towards the end of August, nineteen eighty seven, and. Um, Apocalypse Now came out. So look up real quick when that one came out. Apocalypse Now, I think, came out. Well, no, why am I saying Apocalypse Now? Not that one. Uh, Platoon, I think, came out maybe just a little bit before this one. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, sometimes they refer to Platoon. We did it as a 1986 movie because that's it. Originally came out, I think, in December of '86. Mm-hmm. But they sometimes list it as a February '87 movie. And then the other one uh, that kind of came out around the same time. Of course, you have Good Morning Vietnam came out around here too, and then it was uh, Full Metal Jacket was the other one that came out around this time. So sometimes when I was reading about people referring to this movie as maybe not doing as well as the others, they tend to kind of blame it on coming out in between a whole bunch of other really strong Vietnam War movies uh, Mm -hmm. and maybe explaining that that's why this one didn't do quite so well. Yeah. So, and, and I will admit, I, here's my first reaction and and we'll kind of go into it a little bit deeper as we talk. But my first reaction to this one is it it was okay. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was disappointed in it because when I looked at the list of actors that are on there, uh, Don Cheadle, I think Don Cheadle is a great actor. Mm -hmm. Barely used at all in this movie. Mm -hmm. And, and I get it because that was, it's probably one of his, if I looked back on IMDb, it's probably one of his first movies that he was ever in. Um, You know, so obviously not, not the same at the time, not the same resume that he's got now. Um, but you know, I, as good of an actor as I think he is, I, I remember thinking, Oh, Don Cheadle's in this, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And he's really just a background, just a background character. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at it now and it was not his first movie. It was still pretty early on. Um, but he had done, He'd done a couple of TV series and a couple of short films and other stuff here and there. I, you know what? I guess it kind of was. He had a really small part in a movie called Moving Violations in 85. But otherwise, yeah, I guess Hamburger Hill was kind of his first movie that he was in. Um, but, you know, a lot of other really good actors in this movie, even though they're, they're kind of no-name actors at the time. And, you know, I just I was trying to think of why I didn't like it as much. And I think it just mm-hmm. came down to there wasn't and I, I really hate to say this because of how well made the movie was and how intense the scenes were and how, how meaningful, you know, when somebody died or somebody was injured, it, it definitely was something that was shocking and sad. And, but I just don't know if it was memorable enough, mm. if that makes sense. In, yeah. in, the, in the slew of other Vietnam War movies that you have in the mid-80s, I don't know if this one is at least for me, I don't know. Some people I read online, they're like, this is my favorite movie ever. It's better than platoon. It's better than full metal jacket. I just don't know. I don't know if it's memorable enough for me because it's one of those things where, and, and I had the same problem with platoon is when you get a movie and you've got it, it, like a war movie and you've got all these soldiers that are all wearing the same type of uniform. I have a really hard time keeping track of who's who. Mm-hmm. unless I watched this three or four times, I could not tell you other than a couple of the characters. I can't tell you what their names are. And right. I just, and, and, and we can go more into this, but I, there was, I, there were a couple of things that I know this movie was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it did. I don't know that it quite knew what it was. I, I wanted it to focus more on one thing. Um, and, and movies and directors are totally, I mean, they don't have to do what I say. They're totally allowed to do whatever they want. They've got all the money. They, you know, it's their vision. But to me, this movie seemed like it was either an anti-anti-war movie mm-hmm. or it was a movie about camaraderie and bravery among soldiers in horrible conditions mm-hmm. or 
it was about the experiences of black versus white soldiers. Mm-hmm. And for each one of those, I was like, at, at different times of the movie, the movie's going along and I'm like, oh, it's this, it's this group of guys and they're trying to work together and they've got some of their differences and, but they're going to, you know, they're going to charge and they're going to take this hill. And to me, that seems more like a World War I or World War II movie. Maybe that, mm-hmm. that kind of sentiment to it. But then all of a sudden, and to me, it seemed out of the blue, all of a sudden, out of the blue, you'd have this fight over, you know, somebody's talking about something racial and boom, now you've got a fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't know if it wants to be, if it wants to be a movie about racism, then I think it needed to do more with that. I don't know. I, is, is anything yeah. I'm saying making sense? Nope. It's, it's making a lot of sense. And I'm going to, um, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in unless you want to finish your thought. No, no. Yeah. Go um, ahead. But it's, it's interesting because I was thinking that, and I'd read the, the, the same, um, review actually and i think i maybe bumbled into the same review that you mentioned at the beginning of this where the person said you know something could make up for the and he he references the script and how he yeah. doesn't feel that that's as strong and i'll be honest I'm, I'm thinking back to you know hearing different maybe it's producers or movie houses talk about movies and they say you know when someone comes to them with an idea for a movie they always have to frame it in a certain way you know what does this movie really boil down to and i'll 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 take something completely different um 20 000 leagues under the sea they wanted to make this movie back in the 50s and they went to disney and they said we're going to make this and it's going to be great and we're going to have these underwater shots and they're going to do this that and the other thing but they said okay well we can't take the book and just put it on screen so we need to reimagine this and what is this movie really what is this story going to be about it's a jailbreak movie these guys are stuck in the submarine and the whole purpose of the movie is them trying to get. So that's what everything else, all the special effects, the underwater, the Captain Nemo, his, that, that's all going to be secondary to the primary focus of the movie, which is a jailbreak. Yeah. And, you know, you go through all these movies and, and all the real, you know, the movies that you see out there, they all kind of boil down to that. What is the purpose of this movie? And it, it boils down to one thing. Now, last year we talked about Platoon. And, you know, an equally poignant and powerful movie and so on and so forth. But one thing that I remember that, that um, was discussed was this movie, yes, it's, it's set in the Vietnam War. And yes, we're trying to, um, we're trying to uh, uh, tell the Vietnam, you know, the Vietnam War um, experience you know we're, we're trying to show that mm-hmm. but this is this is this is and maybe where it, uh, it, it movies you know feature length movies and all well, not feature length but you know movie, popular movies and so forth uh, this is where it goes away from like a documentary what was that movie about that was really a character study against you know between the two sergeants right and then you know throw charlie sheen in between you know those were the three those were the three main actors in fact i want to say that when you made your comment um, about platoon and how, you know, they're all wearing the same fatigues and they all, they got, it all blends together. You know, you mentioned that, okay, you know, what was it Tom Berger? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm missing their names, but I want to say that either you or maybe Dennis or someone that made the comment said that except for, you know, these three main guys, mm-hmm. everyone else kind of blends together, but that's right. what that movie has is it's a, 
it's really it's a character study. It's That's a, what that movie it's, is. It's primarily about those three guys. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm using too many words and dancing yeah. around it, but yeah, that's it. The movie is about these three guys, and you know, the good guy and the bad guy, and the guy you think is the good guy is really the bad guy, and the guy's the bad. The backdrop is Vietnam. Yeah. You know, you could make it so. Uh, when you look at Apocalypse Now, I mean, when you boil down Apocalypse Now, what it really is is, you know, I forget the guy's name, but he goes nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be, how, you know, can you stay sane? Can you stay moral when you're surrounded in a, uh, uh, in an air, in a place that is not a yeah. place that is, you know, constantly challenging you to break down those norms, right? Are you, are you talking about? Uh, are you talking about Martin Sheen's character or Marlon Brando's? Say, wasn't it Marlon Brando? Wasn't Martin Sheen going to get Marlon Brando because he lost yeah. it or something? Yeah, Marlon Brando's okay. character was Kurtz. Kurtz, that's yeah. what it was. I don't remember. Martin and Sheen's, I, I Martin might, Sheen's was something like... Be, what was that? Martin Sheen's was something like Williams or Willard or... I think it might have been Willard. Yeah. It was Martin and Sheen's I, and, character, and, yeah. And, and did Martin Sheen kind of struggle with that too? Like, Kurtz yeah. started to make more sense when he got there or yeah. something? Or yeah. am I just not remembering it? Oh, right? yeah. No, that was it. Okay, so... But that's that's what that movie is. And, the, you know, what was it? Well, it was based off the book. Heart, uh Heart of Darkness yep. into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heart yeah. of Darkness. And it's basically the same story. You know, you go to a certain place where, you know, conventional, uh, you know, society doesn't exist and how long. That's what that movie's about. Now, the backdrop was Vietnam. And there might be some things that you could say, is it, but it's not really about. Now, I'm making my long and, and long-winded point, And I'll wrap it up by saying, I don't think this movie where you said you weren't sure what this movie was trying to be, I think this movie was just trying to give you a snapshot of this event that occurred mm-hmm. uh, during the Vietnam War. Yeah. And as you said, the director and the producer or the writer were both, both veterans that were just trying to put the story out there. Yeah. And, I, and there's, I, I don't want this to sound like I'm trying to denigrate the other movies, but I think when I say this, but... So I don't want to say no frills, but I don't think I don't think they put anything else out there. They didn't put any big character study. They didn't put a well, what happens if kind of question that drives it. I think they were just saying we're going to put a motion picture that is going to kind of show you a little bit of the sights and sounds of what these guys had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's going to be I, I'm. I'm putting ideas in their head. I don't know if they intended this, but you know, it's kind of like a, go talk to a veteran. You darn well better go thank a veteran. Um, this is, this was our experience. Go read about it. Go check it, go argue it, go believe it, do whatever you want. But, but we're just going to kind of show you what our experience was. And it, it didn't have a, a, a movie thing like mm-hmm. a character study or, uh, uh, two guys going up against each other or a focus on three main characters. It didn't have those typical movie norms to kind of lock in the audience. Yeah. You and know I, what I'm saying? I think yeah, it was like I, a, I think that's, I think that's what I missed about it is I think, I okay. think, I think I went into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I think I went into it thinking about it in the same way. I think of, of the other Vietnam war movies that I know and, and all the ones that you and mm-hmm. I just have listed off and I think I was expecting something a little bit more like that. 
And I think mm-hmm. when it came out, when, when, when I was watching this, it, it did come out as more of a, it felt more like a documentary. Now, granted, you still had plenty of scenes that would never make it into a documentary, but, um, and it, it still had the more narrative structure and, and, you know, the stuff you normally get from a movie. But I think it was, yeah, I, I take back, I take back when I said, I don't really know what this movie was trying to be. I think I actually do know what this movie was trying to be. And I think it was trying to be, I think it was intentionally trying to be different from those other movies because those other movies mm-hmm. are all showing you the psychological horrors of war. Um, and mm-hmm. in particular Vietnam and how Vietnam was so, you know, people came back just scarred. I mean, we, I'm sure there were people that came back with, you know, traumatic stress from world war one and world war two and, and the civil war and the revolutionary war and all that. But I think some of the first times we really, got an image of that, that, that people were coming back changed from war was from Vietnam. Um, and I think that if I had to say what I think this movie is trying to do is to be the opposite of all the other Vietnam war movies. And instead of showing the psychological torment that these soldiers were going through, I think it was trying to get people to look at the Vietnam war and the soldiers that were in the Vietnam war and say, Hey, look, even if you totally fundamentally disagree with this war, the men who went over there to fight are heroes mm-hmm. because I, I, I got that feeling from this movie that it didn't have, you know, it wasn't like, like you said, we talked about platoon. Um, you know, that was back on our, I think like episode one Oh four or something like that. Um, and so like 40 episodes ago. Um, and when we talked about that one, we talked about how, uh, Charlie Sheen's character went from starting out really naive and, you know, kind of sure of himself, but a little confused in the middle of the movie. And then by the end, he's a cold blooded killer. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a character going through that and, and being tortured by these events that are happening to him. You didn't, I don't really feel like you got that in this movie. I, I do really feel like this movie was trying to say, look, other people are going to tell you that Vietnam was horrible. And yes, mm-hmm the conditions in Vietnam are horrible. However, the fighting men that were over there, you should still consider them heroes because they conducted themselves, you know, as, as honorable Americans. And they conducted, you know, not everybody was some misfit who, if there was no Vietnam war, they'd be back home causing trouble or, you know, they'd be a hippie or something like that. Um, I really kind of feel like that this movie, its mission was to try to get people to reevaluate how you view Vietnam vets, mm-hmm. whether you agree with the war or not, at least to reevaluate how you view the veterans of the Vietnam war. Cause those were the times and those were the times to me in this movie that where it was the most interesting was you'd get the letters from the girlfriend that says, you know, I love you. I miss you, but I can't write to you anymore because my mm-hmm. friends at college say that you're doing something immoral. Right. Or you get the guy telling the story. It was, um, I want to say Weber, but that's the actor's name, uh, Worcester. He's telling the story about how, you know, he, when he got medevaced and he was taken back to, I think he said he was taken back to Oakland. And when mm-hmm. he got off the plane, he's like, oh, there were a bunch of pretty girls, you know, waiting there. And um, they were all waiting there and, and they were holding bags of dog poop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think, was it him that gives the whole speech? Of like, you know, yeah, they love everybody. They love, and he starts listing off all the different names for groups of people I'm not going to list off. Um, 
And uh, he goes to that whole group and he, and he says, you know what? They love everybody. They love everybody but you. Yeah. And if you're a man in uniform in this war, they will love it. They'll even love our enemy more than they love you. And so I think if this movie, even though I said I don't know what, if this movie knew what it was trying to be, I think that's what it was trying to be. And so I think yeah. when they did try to yeah. throw in some of the other stuff, like the, the racism and the, you know, some of the other things, when they tried to throw that in there, I, I almost yeah. would have cut those parts out and made this a little bit of a shorter movie. Right, unless, unless you're trying to put that out there and uh, uh, have those things. Even yeah. if you can't develop it into its own story, you know, you're, you're still having... Um, you still have them saying, "Hey, the the the, the race. Uh, what would you say? The race tension that was going on through the whole country. Yeah, may, you know, and, and the racism and all that kind of stuff. Um, that existed. Yeah, you know. And you've got this is maybe the first war where you have integrated units, and you know we're, we're trying to make that work. Yeah, and you know you did see that, and and I've you know obviously." only read about it, but where that, you know, that having to fight a war and rely on the person next to you, I mean, obviously sometimes that didn't work, but there were guys across racial lines that, you know, were able to, to form those, those bonds. And I think it, I think it kind of did a good job of, uh, of showing the, the confusion that I keep hearing about and, and reading about in that time period, because I mean, the guy that was telling the story about being, you know, on leave and, and not being accepted back at home. Yeah. Um, you know, you figure 1969. I mean, the war obviously had been dragging on for, you know, five or six years. Yeah. At least five or six years. Well, I mean, when was the Tonkin Gulf resolution? When we, you know, that was 64 or 65. I'm sorry. I wish I knew the date. I should know it. Yeah. But I know that's about when it really kicked off and we began the escalation. But, you know, we'd been involved in Vietnam since... It was 64. I'm six, sorry, six, what was that? 64 was the Gulf of Tonkin resolution. Okay, so that's when, that's when we... Well, we didn't really... I don't know if we necessarily declared war, but that's right. when the, the war started escalating. But, I mean, we'd been, we'd been involved in Vietnam since the end of the 50s. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and as, as, as the public is starting to turn against this war... You know, it's, it's, it's caused, a, there's a, there was a lot of confusion and anger. And, and the problem is that the, that the guys at this level, the guys that, I mean, who, what did you see? I mean, the highest ranked officer you really saw was a lieutenant. Yeah. And I mean, you know, these guys don't, these guys don't necessarily get to say, you know what, this doesn't make much sense. These guys don't get to say, hey, we don't, we don't need to take this hill. These guys don't get to say, look, we just bled, you know, and lost however many of our guys getting this hill and now we're going to abandon it. Yeah. I mean, they don't get to say that. And, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because there were in this, by this time, there were massacres that had happened and there were atrocities committed by um, United States soldiers. Um, and in the same token, there were these guys that were over there just trying to make sense of this whole thing. And, you know, and this, this has come up in, in a lot of these, these war movies and it's sort of like, well, okay, you know, you don't want to burn down the village. You don't want to do all this kind of thing, but
but then all of a sudden, you know, you march on the village and the weapons that were hidden in the village are now being used and, you know, your buddy is now being taken out by it. Right. I mean, and that's kind of the, the senselessness uh, and, and the, what the, the mess that, that that war really became. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's broadcasted pretty, I think that, I think that comes out pretty strongly in the movie mm-hmm. and you know, the guy, and I'm going to stop rambling, but I'm going to say that guy, I cycle back to the point I was trying to make that guy was, that was home on leave and talking about, you know, how he didn't feel accepted back at home. He was also the one that you remember when him and the other Sergeant were sitting in that, uh, I don't know if it was a brothel or whatever, the bathhouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the one uh, woman referred to it as your war. Yeah. And all of a sudden he got, he got upset. Yeah. pretty, pretty serious and pretty angry. And I think that was it. It was, you know, the same thing with the sergeant when the, the newspaper guy was waving the microphone in his face saying, yeah. so what do you think? How many guys do you lose? You think you can take the hill? They say they can't take the hill. And he's, it's just like, it's like a, it's almost like a sports you know, reporter. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's really, there's really soldiers dying and they don't have a say. All they know is yeah. that they're going to some other country to fight a war for, you know, people that really, to their knowledge, don't want them there. The, they're forgotten about at home. They're spit on. They're given bags of poop. They're, I mean, you know, and, and so what, how, what, what are they, you know, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And it just kind of becomes a, you know, listen to me. I'll keep you alive. And we just, we just try and get through the next day. And then they reinforce it because, you know, they keep showing the date and it's like the same thing. Right. And it's just more, more incredibly violent death. And as these guys are trying to run, run a mud pile, you know? So, and I thought that, I thought, I thought the movie just, that was kind of what it was driving home was just this, this sense of, you know, these guys are over here and what the heck, you know? Yeah. Now we'll say in terms of the movie and the characters, the one thing I actually jotted this down as I was watching the movie. Um, while I have, while I've said that with other war movies like this, I, I tend to, unless it's like one of the main three or four characters, they tend to all blend into the background for me. Um, Mm -hmm. What was really funny to me was, and I, and I knew that he's not the main character of the movie, but for the first, I don't know, 40 minutes, hour of this movie. Um, Cause I, they, they get to the hill. I want to say they get to the hill at about 40 minutes into the movie. And then the next, the next hour and 10 minutes is them trying to charge up the hill. Um, but I think, for the first 40 minutes of this movie and and then for as long as he lasts on the hill. um, I really like, you could have told me that doc, the uh, Mm -hmm. actor, Courtney B Vance, the one who had been in like law and order criminal intent and, and some of those others, you could have told me that he was the main character of the movie. And I I totally would have believed you because to me, he was the most interesting. He's the one that had the most personality. Um, mm-hmm. you could see that, you know, it was his, he was the medic. It was supposed to be him that was taking care of these guys and identifying them. And he was the one that was getting upset when they wouldn't brush their teeth. And when they wouldn't, you know, when a guy's head got blown off, he was upset cause he wouldn't be able to identify him. Um, it just felt like he had more personality than any of the other characters. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I was watching this movie and I was going, okay, we're jumping around to these other characters. 
I don't really know them very well. I don't feel like I'm getting to know them very well. But if you made a movie in which it was focused on this character of Doc, mm-hmm. I think I would have liked that better. If it was mm-hmm. told from the perspective of him or focused primarily on him as opposed to the entire platoon, I think I might have liked that a little bit better. Because to me, he was the best actor in the whole thing. He was the one that had the best scenes. Um, and I, I almost kind of felt, and I know the movie is more about the event than the people in it necessarily at, at, at some points. Mm-hmm. I almost felt that when he, spoiler alert, when he died, and I was like, well, okay, movie's over. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think it was an okay movie, but I think there were just a cer- certain few little things like that where I enjoyed his character so much that I would have liked to have seen more of him. I mean, more right. of him, less of some of the other people, and you know, maybe adjust the adjust the focus a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, I mean, obviously, stepping away from you know uh, the content of what's in the movie and and just looking at the movie itself, you wonder if the guys, you know, they were documentary filmmakers, so they kind of made what they know. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what they you know, what they, what they went to and why it was, you know, you didn't have that focus on, okay, well, we got to focus on one or two guys and okay, I'm going to say something stupid and we can, you know, edit it out later or just put it on a constant loop to uh, embarrass me. But I, am I just totally blanking? I know he got hit pretty badly. I thought they, I thought they choppered him out. Uh, who, Doc? Yeah. The the chopper was coming for him, but he died before okay. it got there, just as it was landing. And they okay. were they were telling him, you know, hold on, hold on, um, you know, they'll be here soon, hold on. That's right, and, and then he, they all embrace then he slumps him, over right? and yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, he was with um I know he was with um uh Sergeant France. I don't remember who the other guy was. Was it uh Worcester? Might have been, yeah. Well, those were kind of well. And if you had to list like the three main characters of this movie, I would have listed those three. I would have listed Doc and Worcester and France. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I other than other than focusing on the camaraderie of the soldiers as they were trying to take this hill, because in that part of it when it's that part, when you've got these soldiers that are trying to do this impossible task of taking this hill, uh, in which they know that they're just going to get chewed up by the grenades and the, the gunfire and the everything else to me, then I would have wanted more of a feeling of the same feeling I get when I watch Braveheart, mm-hmm. you know, of like, we are, we are going to charge and not that they're going to give these grand speeches before they go charge the hill. But, you know, just when I watch Braveheart, it, it makes me want to go out and grab an axe and, you know, go to battle. Mm-hmm. Even though I could barely chop down a tree with an axe, so I'm not going to do very well in battle. It's still, it like, gives right. me, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's go. We actually, when I was uh, playing football in high school, our, um, our offensive line coach would, we had a big screen TV in our locker room, and mm-hmm. he would put that movie on the big screen TV before our practices. Right. And he'd, like, fast forward it to the battle scenes. 
And, you know, he, a couple different times when we'd be practicing on one field, he'd go over to the field that the defense was practicing on. And, uh, mm-hmm. a, a couple of times he just, he like left in the middle of us doing something. He just started walking. And I remember one time somebody asked him, he was like, coach, where are you going? And he turns around, he smiles and he goes, I'm going to pick a fight. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah. And so like that movie, and maybe it's because I have a memory of that. Maybe that's why something like Braveheart, you know, gives you that feeling of, you know, I want to go out and charge the battlefield. And I, if the movie is meant to be about the camaraderie and the bravery of these soldiers in the midst of going through hell, I didn't get that feeling. Like I, I, I saw that they were trying to have me get that feeling, but I just didn't, I, something about it didn't click for me. And, and maybe it has to do with, maybe that clicks for me with something like Braveheart because my ancestry is Scottish. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it clicks for me in a movie about the Civil War because it's here in our country, on our soil, and I would have had relatives fight in the Civil War. Maybe I've got some kind of a connection to it, whereas I don't have as much of a connection to Vietnam. Yeah. So maybe yeah, I, maybe that's I, why it didn't yeah. click for me. I wasn't there, and so it's not. It's more distant for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, see, and I don't think... I don't know if they're wanting to, to give you that because I, I don't, you know, I, I, I think that's always the risk of, you know, when you're, when you're making a movie like this, how do you make a, a, a war movie where the action is, is accurate, but you got to be very careful because I don't know that they necessarily want it to look like if you were watching Rogue One or right. watching Star Wars or right. watching James Bond or, you know, I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that they're trying to sell you on the glory of war. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, I, 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 I think charging up, I'm, to put it incredibly mildly, I, I don't think there was probably any rousing speeches or here we goes or any you know. of that kind of stuff <laughs> um, for, for charging up Hamburger Hill. I think it probably, I think what they're trying to show is that it just pretty much sucked. Yeah. And, the, you know, they were, they were going to lose a whole bunch of their friends for basically a hill in the middle of the jungle. And then two days later, they leave it. And now it might've been this, it might've been another hill, but I was, and I think, but I think it was 101st. They had to do that a couple of times. And there were a couple of hills Mm -hmm. where they had to fight and lose, I don't know how many people to get to the top of the hill. Then they'd abandon it. Yeah. Then they'd have to fight a couple days later, a week later, they had to fight, take the hill again. Then they had to abandon it. Yeah. And then they had to fight to get, and I, I just, you know, you, you get there and it's, it's like, you know, for me, it's just the futility of it. Right. You know, why, why are we fighting this thing? To, to what end? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, where, where's, where's the breakdown? And, you know, you, you mentioned the other wars in our history. I, 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 number one, I think it's, we can kind of cover it up pretty good when, when it's a victory. You know, World War I was the war to end all wars, and we all came home, and, and you know, we beat the Germans, and blah, 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 blah. And right. so that, you know, that you kind of can sweep all the yucky stuff under the rug because we won. Same thing with World War II. You know, there's a reason that Korea was the forgotten war. Right. And Vietnam, we don't even call it a war. Right. You know, or, well, now we do, but we call it a conflict. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I, and I don't, I don't want to get too preachy, but I think that's what the, what the, what this movie is showing is that, that, yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. And, you know, they get to the top 
And it's just kind of a, you know, I mean, they, they slogged at the top and it was a collapse and it was just kind of like, okay, it's done. Yeah. You know, and, say, and yeah, like was it a, I was saying, we're going to call it, going to call it a police action. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what they tried to call was it. it uh, what is it in good, Mo- good morning, Vietnam? Uh, yeah. It's like Bob Hope doesn't yeah. do police actions. So we try to yeah, get Bob exactly. Hope, but he, he only does wars. He doesn't do police actions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah when, when, uh, yeah, that great line and Bob likes a big one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, I think that's, I think that's what's being depicted. And, and you saw that with these guys. I mean, you know, these guys aren't, you know, warriors, like, you know, like the 300 Spartans of the legends yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I right. mean, these were guys that just, my God, they just wanted to go home. Right. Well, and, and I, I think, think, I think my, another part of my problem is when I think about the Vietnam war and, and movies about the Vietnam war, mm-hmm. I tend to think more about the psychological torment and what mm-hmm. you get from like an apocalypse now or a full metal jacket or even a platoon. But then the other side of that is my, my, one of my favorite movies, whether it was about the Vietnam war or not, but one of my favorite movies of all time is what we're doing in two weeks is good morning Vietnam. Right. And I think that that movie for me does so many things, right. That when I right. watch another movie about the Vietnam war and it's all about like this movie was you, you still had the men, you know, in their downtime and, and talking to each other and telling stories, but it was primarily about the fighting. I think what I really like about good morning Vietnam. And, and again, we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks is that it's not as much about the fighting, that it's a lot more about some of the background stuff going on. And you still get those moments of, you know, even though we're not really, even though this may not be the place we should be right now, even though maybe we're here for questionable reasons or, or maybe the planning of this has not been so great and, and nobody back home supports it. The men that are over there fighting, they're good men. Mm-hmm. You know, you see him in, in Robin Williams in that movie, you see him that one time that he stops and he talks to those guys that are in the truck right before they're about to go out, uh, into battle and just mm-hmm. having a, just having a conversation with them, just giving them a few minutes to, you know, to talk to somebody and to, you know, feel good about themselves and what they're going to do. And, you know, tells them to be careful and they go off and, and do their thing. And I, right. I just think I, I like that movie so much that I have a hard time. I think I have a hard time watching a movie like this. Th- I mean, this movie is fine. I don't think I'm ever going to go watch it again. Because mm-hmm. when I think about if I wanted to go watch a movie about the Vietnam War and the Vietnam War era, I'm going to go watch Good Morning Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Or maybe mm-hmm. Full Metal Jacket or maybe, you know, but even those, I've, I've probably seen those once, maybe twice each. Um, and they're not ones that are heavy on my rotation of, oh, I got to watch this movie every couple of years. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, you know, it, it kind of, it does its job. And uh, I mean, and we've had this discussion from other movies. I, you know, what's entertainment, what's informative, right? What, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'll watch, you know, I'll watch the millennium Falcon blast tie fighters in the dust, you know, 10, you know, seven days a week, but this, this, this is real yeah. or it's a depiction of real. And when it's done well, you know, it's, it's very sobering and it, it, it just gives, you know, it just makes you think. And I, I don't, you know, when, and you mentioned that, you know, what is this movie trying to say and all that? And I I think what I keep getting to is I, I don't know. I think that, I think it's just, I might've said something similar with platoon. 
I don't feel that it's getting super preachy. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's, it's, Hey guys, Hey everybody, to the best of our ability, we'll t- we're telling this story. This happened. You can't hide from it. You can question it. You can research it. You can talk to someone that was there. You can say, Hey, this is, you know, but we're trying to educate you with this. And, you know, the people that were over there having to fight this war, you know, they weren't all sterling, phenomenal, wonderful, you know, demigods that could throw lightning and all this kind of thing. Right. But in the same token, you know, they weren't all evil, despicable people. And and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how the country treated them. Right. So they're your brothers and sons and husbands and fathers and they're our countrymen and we need to, we need to, we need to bring them back. We need to welcome them back. And maybe that's part of the process is kind of looking at and not, not, um, not flinching and just, just taking a look and saying, okay, well, it's, it's out there now. We, the, the, here's the movie, here's the entertainment, here's the, you know, the thing that we can leave and say, wow, that was an intense movie. But there's people that live that and they can't walk away from it so easily. So, right. you know, we owe it, we owe it to them to kind of like discuss this and, you know, ask questions and all that. And is, and, and, and with all certainty before, before we start committing <laughs> our young men and young women to a war or to a conflict or to whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. You better be sure about it. And you, you better be, you know, you better, you better have good people at the top that aren't going to, to waste that life. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of, that's kind of what I got from it is, mm-hmm. is the, no absolutes, right. but more just kind of a, here it is. Yeah. This does, you know, I'll give you a topic. Here you go. Discuss. Yeah, discuss. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else we want to say about it? Yeah, I um Yeah, I normally I I I'm going to jump in and say normally I Philip Glass in his other, you know, other movies that I've seen, I've really liked the music. There were times the music seemed out of place in this one. Yeah, you know what? And that's that's where I was going too. Now I'm trying to think of like, I mean, we've, t- I've talked about Philip Glass and like some of my music history. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much history classes, but you know, when I was in college, not the ones I teach, but you know, the ones I study and, and Philip Glass is a, is a, is a, you know, modern kind of contemporary composer. And I, 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 you know, you mentioned the other movies he's done, but yeah, there, there were some times that I thought, man, either I have the volume set weird on the TV or so it, so it maybe the special effect, the sound, the sound is just kind of weird interaction with the movie. But you're right. It just there were some spots that it just I wasn't quite sure what the music was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where those scenes were, but no, I no, I agree with you. There were a couple of them, like when they're charging up the hill. Uh-huh. There were a couple times that it was a a very kind of like almost triumphant. I don't want to say like a march. It wasn't really like a march, but like a triumphant fanfare as they're, as they're charging up the hill. But it just yeah. seemed, I don't know. It just maybe, and maybe that's the editing. Maybe that's not the music, but it just seemed to start at a strange time and 
I don't know. It just, to me, it just seemed out of place. Yeah. And, and that's, it seemed like maybe it would be more in place. And, and this, we've kind of said this, so this is not the first time we've said it during this episode. The music to me seemed like it would have a better place in a world war two movie. Yeah. But I don't know. And, and again, maybe that just goes to my whole conception of what a Vietnam war movie is in my mind, what a Vietnam war movie is trying to do. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think in, and uh, it's funny because, you know, in our little lead in, I was talking about, you know, the movie Dunkirk and the way they mm-hmm. use the music in there, which I thought was, you know, incredibly creative and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, in this, it just, it seemed like there was a lot of silence, mm-hmm. not silence, but just lack of music. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it kicked in and it was like, okay, we're going to wait. And now we're really going to take this scene up to 11 and add right. the music. And it was like, uh, no, no, it really. It just seems strangely you know, timed sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, no, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I don't remember the music from uh, full metal jacket mm-hmm. um, platoon. I mean, obviously, you know, the adagio for Barbara's adagio for strings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, one of the most emotionally, you know, charged pieces you can find. Right. You know, and that came in at a very poignant moment. Um, you know, save it, saving private Ryan was, you know, just, uh, um, you know, you get, you know, just that solitary trumpet mm-hmm. and, um, um, you know, and, and again, it's, when you look at what, how that fits in with the movie, you know, and, and when that trumpet comes up and it's, it's just, it's very simple. It's very, ba- it's very dignified. It, uh, you know, I, I think saving private Ryan, I think it really speaks to, you know, that, that maybe the, the way we all see the greatest generation. Um, yeah. and, and I, and I, and, the, and I say this not to denigrate that, but my grandfather, obviously, uh, was part of the greatest generation and he served, um, he served in world war two and, uh, uh, as did all of his brothers. And he, and, and the reason I say that kind of hesitating is because, uh, he was really like, yeah, the greatest generation, he was always a little bit, uh, hesitant to use that, uh, um, moniker is just because, you know, in his mind, he's, you know, we were just regular people just trying to serve our country. Right. Which maybe that's why they got the name. But in any event, back to the music, I think the way they did that in Saving Private Ryan, that that very simple trumpet melody, you know, it, it was kind of indicative of that. Yeah. Um, did you ever see We Were Soldiers, the Mel Gibson um, once. thing about the mobile division? Yeah, I saw did it once and I, I don't remember much about it. Okay. I, I'll tell you, I think... Uh, you know, the way they use the music in there. Okay. I mean, it's, it's the theme, it's heavily rooted in a, um, uh, you know, with like a, a snare drum and all that. And that really sets a, a very somber and, and militaristic kind of sound with it. And then they use a, uh, a Scottish lament um, hmm. in the middle of it. That's kind of functions as the theme. And again, it, it really adds a poignancy to the, to the, to the movie and how the story is being framed. It kind of 
they, it weaves together. And so those movies, you know, different wars and all that, but the music really works. This, it, it just, it didn't kind of, it didn't weave seamlessly in with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well I think that's going to do it for our discussion of uh, Hamburger Hill. So uh, overall, yeah. I think we we'll say it, you know, uh, interesting movie. Uh, it's, it's maybe a little less political take maybe we could say uh on the vietnam war than uh, maybe a little less political is not the right way to say it but um you know a little bit more if you want to find something that's still a motion picture feature film type thing but maybe a little more documentary style in that it's just trying to show you what's going on it's not maybe trying to make too much of a statement about the war itself um you know if that's something if you want to break from some of the other more heavy-handed uh, psychological, psychologically intense Vietnam War movies, then definitely go check this one out. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I liked it, but it just didn't, I don't know, it, it didn't capture my attention as much as other Vietnam War movies that I've watched. Mm. Like, I'll go back and I'll say, oh man, yeah, Full Metal Jacket. There's that one scene in Full Metal, and, the, and then this scene, and I still remember this part, and and same thing with Apocalypse Now. Oh, man, this one part and the, just the intensity of that. And even Platoon, which I had not seen before we watched it last year. Um, same thing. Like, vividly, I can picture scenes from these movies. And this one, I just kind of, I don't know. It, it, there's nothing that really, there's nothing really just jumps out at me and says, this is the pivotal moment of this movie. Right. So, not a bad movie. Yeah, not a bad movie by any stretch. But yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, coming up in the next few weeks, we've got a few more. This is our fog of war month. So we've got uh, a whole slew of war movies. Uh, just in case you didn't feel like your August was uh, dark and depressing enough. Um, we're going to spend all of our time in war movies. So next week is going to be empire of the sun which I have seen once, but a long, long time ago. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one again. Uh, mm -hmm. And then again, like I said earlier, the one of my favorite movies of all time, um, Good Morning Vietnam, we're going to be doing it in a couple of weeks. And then coming up towards the end of the month, we'll be doing Full Metal Jacket, which is another one of the very intense, very intense um, war movies. You know, the uh, Empire of the Sun, the one that uh, I said I had not seen for many, many, many years, I had totally forgotten that the little boy in that movie is Christian Bale. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never, I've never seen it. I've okay. It's, it's a good movie directed by Steven Spielberg. Okay. Um, and the, the, the writer, the novel that it's based off of, um, that writer, I've read several of his novels and I like his writing. Um, but yeah, I had totally forgotten because the story, the, the quick little summary that IMDb gives it is a young English boy struggles to survive under Japanese occupation during world war two. Okay. So it's, um, and it's him, it's Christian Bale. And I had totally forgotten that that was Christian Bale because I, I don't think of him as a child because I don't recall seeing him in anything else as a young yeah. child until you get to Batman. And I know he was in stuff between empire of the sun and Batman, but that's kind of the connection in my head that I make is he went from, you know, I saw him in Batman and then I just didn't even realize that that was him in empire of the sun. Uh -huh. So 
So that's a good cool. one. I, I remember that one being a good one. I remember when I watched it, I liked it. Uh, it's got a, a lot of yeah. good actors in it too. John Malkovich is in it. Uh, Joe Pantoliano is in it. Um, hey, did you, um, did you hear uh, when they were listening to the radio in this movie, did you hear the DJ say, good morning, Vietnam? Did I did. And I, I, I did. And I actually backed that part up and I was like, oh, let me listen to that for a second. Um, so I yeah. didn't know if, if they were going to have anything more than just, um, than just have that kind of catchphrase in there. But I, yeah, I did catch that part right away. I was like, Ooh, there we go. Yeah. I, I like that. Well, little Easter, like that little Easter egg. Yeah. Well, you know, Adrian Cronauer was a mm-hmm. real dude. So yeah. All right. Cool. So yeah. So our next one's coming up. Empire of the sun. Good morning, Vietnam, full metal jacket. That'll finish off the month of August for us. Um, and then starting in September, we will have Spaceballs is our first one in September, uh, of our sci-fi movies. Um, and then right after that will be our episode number 150. And that is our movie music, um, episode. And I, every time I go back and I look at that list that we started making, I keep wanting to change things. Yeah. So I I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a little bit like our star Trek one where we make our list and then every day up until we actually sit down to record, I'm going to go back and look at it and be like, well, yeah, well, eh, this this one could be higher. This one could be lower. Oh, I totally forgot about that one. Um, yeah. So for, for composers, I just took a look at all the ones you listed and just deliberately, I'm like, okay, we're going to f- put some more composers up there. So, mm-hmm. you know, you listed a bunch of composers and I'm like, yeah, those would easily be like my top three or four or five, but yeah. you're already talking about them. So I'm going to put these other guys. Right. There. We'll put somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So, so that one will be so, good. That one will be good. That's coming up in just a few weeks. So we will, we will hit that up, uh, hit up our movie music episode then. So in the meantime, if you're listening to this and you've got some stuff that you want to throw in there on, on favorite music from movies, we'll do that for our 150th episode. If you've got anything that you want to say about the movies that are coming up, uh, you could have it, head over to our website. That's 30podcast30podcast.com. And that's got all the different ways that you can get a hold of us. You can do it by email. Uh, we've got a voicemail line. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're all those different places on the social medias. Uh, if you just look up three zero podcast on each of those spots, you will find us. And then to listen to us, you can either do it through our website or we are, we are also on a few different, uh, pod catchers that are out there. We're on Stitcher, Satchel, Google play podcasts, and iTunes. Um, and you can find us and other podcasts on Twitter. If you use the hashtags Potter family, uh, so like modern family, but Potter family and pod genie. So P O D G E N I E. Uh, so folks can find us. A lot of times those hashtags get retweeted around. So, uh, we are using those to kind of spread the word about other podcasts and, and get people interested. So, um, so I think that's going to do it. And so we will see everybody back here next time for empire of the sun. So, Sounds good. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. All right. We will see you all back here next time. So, Go watch some good movies. Oh, be excellent to each other. Don't forget that part. Be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. And one thing I know is true, You'll be dead before your time is due. Know it.
Not a thing, man. It don't mean nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing. Nothing. Not a thing. It don't mean nothing. Not a thing. It don't mean nothing. Not a thing. It don't mean nothing. Not a thing. Right. Don't mean nothing. Nothing, brother. Not a thing. It don't mean nothing, man. Not a thing. Not a thing.